Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to talk about how to stay on track when you travel. This, I think, is just the easiest way to (laughs) title the topic, right? But I don't like thinking of our nutrition as being on track or off track. Our nutrition is a series of choices. There is no on or off. Um, You're not on the wagon or off the wagon. You have the power to change your trajectory every next choice that you make. So I think staying on track uh, is just... The easiest way to title this, and I know this kind of sounds like semantics, but I just wanted to kind of open with that disclaimer. There doesn't have to be an on track or off track. And if you feel like you're constantly either swinging between being on or being off with your nutrition, go back and listen to some of my previous podcasts or reach out and let's figure out how we can get you to a point of true balance and sustainability so you're not boomeranging back and forth between both sides of the nutritional pendulum, what I call the screw it, the effort side, swinging over to the uber restrictive side, and just creating that momentum that bounces you back and forth from overindulgence to over restriction. We should be someplace in the middle that allows for enjoyability in our nutrition, but not at the expense of our health and being able to Find that balance is key in being able to create a sustainable nutrition approach that aligns with your goals. And hi, that's what I do. (laughs) So what I do for a living, that is my entire job. So let's kind of now actually get into the subject matter and talk about things to consider with your nutrition when you're traveling. If you follow me on social media, I'm recording this the day after I got back from a a long trip to my hometown in Louisiana. So I was out of town for about two weeks total, um, which is a big chunk of time to be on a trip. So the first thing that we want to look at when we're traveling and we're kind of planning for a trip, let's just look at the percentage of time that that makes up. Um, And I think looking at it on a monthly basis is kind of a good way to judge, you know, how much you need to prioritize your nutrition when you're traveling. So being gone for two weeks, that's 50% of the month. So if I have a specific goal that I'm striving towards, that I'm trying to make decisions that are aligned with that goal, I'm going to need to still prioritize my nutrition and what I'm doing in those two weeks when I'm traveling. Now, if I was just going out of town for a little weekender, right, that's two days out of the whole month, that could be a time where you relax a little bit more 
and you don't necessarily prioritize your nutrition or your exercise to the extent that you would on an extended vacation or trip. So just kind of looking at it from that lens and determining, okay, what percentage of time is this making up out of my month? What are my goals? What do I need to be doing on this trip to at least toe the line to make sure that you're staying on track with your goals and at least maintaining the progress that you have made? Traveling is not the best time to really look at making a whole lot of forward progress in your goals, just because typically it's going to be a time where we are prioritizing other things more than (laughs) nutrition and exercise. Not to say nutrition and exercise can't still be a priority, right? It doesn't have to be number one all the time. Actually, (laughs) hopefully it's not your number one priority ever unless your job revolves around it in some sense. There's always going to be things in life that trump your nutrition and your exercise, maybe family obligations, your job, things that are truly more important and require more immediate attention than your nutrition and your exercise might. But having it always be high on the priority list is a good thing because when we inevitably do come up against those times where we're traveling or we're much busier or more stressed at work, nutrition and exercise can then take a little bit more of a backseat and it won't have that detrimental effect if you've already established a baseline of health through your nutrition and exercise. So first, when you're looking at what you need to prioritize when you're on a trip, look at the period of time that you're going to be gone and determine, okay, how much effort do I need to put into maintaining my habits? Two weeks, you're going to need to still prioritize your habits. That's a big chunk of time. Two days, not so much. You can do what makes you feel good, but it's not that big of a deal if you're not working out those two days or if you maybe um, are a little more indulgent those two days. If you were doing that across a two-week span, then that could produce some negative results or at least hinder you from maintaining your progress or being able to see progress in your goals that month. Secondly, I want you to think ahead to the end of your trip, whether it's two days or two weeks. This is important across the board for helping you make decisions that are truly aligned with your goals. So before you take your trip, before you start traveling, I want you to think ahead to when you're on your way home from that trip. I want you to think about how you want to feel, not, you know, what you want to do on the trip. I want you to think about how you want to feel when you are coming home from your vacation or from your travel. We're probably always going to be a little exhausted. That's okay. Um, We don't want to set unrealistic expectations, but we should want to feel either rejuvenated or refreshed um, if it's a vacation that we're going on. Or if it's something like work travel, we at least want to still feel like we're on the ball and we don't need rest from taking a trip or we don't need extra time to recover. 
Um, So what are some things that you can do when you're on that trip to help you feel successful when you're on your way home? So you can look back and think, I did what I wanted to do that was aligned with my goals. Okay, I'm going to use an example from last year. My husband, David, and I took a trip to Italy, and it was just absolutely amazing. And what I did not want to do is feel like I missed out on something when I was on my way home from that trip. But I also didn't want to feel sluggish or disappointed in myself on the way back from that trip. So how could I balance those two things where I wanted to, you know, win in Rome? I wanted to do (laughs) all the things that make that region so special and eat all the things, the pasta, the bread, the gelato, um, the pizza, all of it. And I knew if I didn't do those things, that would be a regret. I would feel like I missed out. So how can we toe the line and create that balance? And it was a longer trip, right? It was about two weeks again. So I knew I would still have to prioritize things that would make me feel my best because when you're going somewhere and you want to experience it to the fullest, you don't want to be feeling tired and bloated and uncomfortable all the time. You want to be feeling like your best self. And there is a combination that exists of allowing you to indulge when it's worth it to you, but still maintaining enough consistency in some baseline habits to where you're still physically feeling your best. Okay, so what I'm going to talk about here are three priorities that I maintain basically anytime I travel, even if it's just a little weekend or trip. There's three big things that I really focus on. Those are eating fruits and vegetables and making sure that I'm keeping my fiber intake up, drinking water, staying hydrated, especially, especially if you know you're going to be drinking alcohol on that trip. It's even more important to drink more water, much more water (laughs) than alcoholic beverages. And third, walking and some type of gentle movement. Those are three non-negotiables anytime I travel because these are three big things that help and improve gut motility. That keeps you regular. That is one of the biggest things that makes me feel bad when I'm traveling is if I feel constipated and backed up and bloated. That is not fun at all. And that is something that I hear a lot of people experience when they do travel is that's kind of the problem area. So if we're focusing on eating fruits and vegetables, which in turn helps with hydration and fiber intake, we're drinking lots of water and we're at least just taking a walk or doing some gentle yoga or mobility every day, that is going to go such a long way in helping you physically feel your best so that you can experience what you want to experience as your best self and not feeling self-conscious, not feeling weighed down and sluggish. So those are the big three priorities, like I said, anytime I travel. 
Now, when you are gone for more of an extended period of time, then it becomes more important to focus on some other things that are going to help you maintain your progress and even help you continue to move the needle towards your goals when you're gone for a big period of time and you have access to that. So to kind of contrast these two longer trips, like my trip to Italy versus my trip home to Louisiana. In Italy, I continue to just focus on fiber hydration and walking and mobility. I did a few bodyweight mini Evlo classes while I was there. Truly, I think I did maybe three a week, like maybe five or six total the whole time I was there because I love it and it it makes me feel my best. But it wasn't a huge priority (laughs) at all. It was still just thinking about eating fruits and vegetables every day whenever I could, staying hydrated, and just gentle movement. And most of the time, just walking everywhere took care of that. And I was able to stay very regular, feel good, not feel like I was bloated or sluggish. And it it made the trip better to prioritize those things. But that was more of an experience type of trip. When I was home in Louisiana, I knew I had much more control over the groceries that I could buy. And my time wouldn't be filled like it was in, you know, an experience type trip like going to Italy. So uh, there were some other things that I that moved up the priority list because I had access and I had control over being able to prioritize those things. And that would just be my overall protein intake and continuing weight training and resistance training while I was there. So I definitely don't go crazy on <laughs> my protein target and I I lower it when I'm traveling, but I do make sure that minimum I'm getting around 100 grams of protein per day. Sometimes I fall under that when I'm traveling. More indulgent things kind of displace my protein intake, but I still strive toward that goal every day. And if it ends up looking like 80 or 90 grams, (laughs) that's still better than like 40 or 50 grams. And that only happens if you're still continuing to prioritize it, even if you can't be perfect and even if you can't hit your normal higher goal. My normal goal right now is around 150 grams. And that takes concerted effort and being really, really on the ball with it every day from the time I wake up until my last meal or snack of the day. I know that I don't want to put that much effort and energy (laughs) into. My nutrition when I'm traveling, and there are other things that take higher priority, but still making sure I maintain my minimum threshold of about 100 grams of protein makes me feel my best. And I know is not going to hinder or um, derail my progress or have me backslide at all. And that's really what I'm looking for when I'm traveling is maintenance when I'm away from home and when I'm away from my routine. And then continued strength training on my normal routine. Something I think that could be a really good option when you travel, if you are normally very consistent with your workouts and with your nutrition, and if you are in a body recomposition or weight loss journey, 
is looking at maybe using this time when you travel. If it's, you know, five days or more, looking at using about five days to a week of that time as a rest week and a diet break for you. That's what I did for my first week when I was home in Louisiana. Um, I had been in a consistent caloric deficit for about three months, um, a little over it, three months at that point, and had been consistently resistance and weight training via Evlo Fitness. So I used my first week of travel to be a active recovery week, a rest week um, from working out. And then I also used it to be a diet break from being in a calorie deficit. Now, these things kind of work the same when we're looking at um, a recovery week for your exercise, for your muscles, and looking at a diet break for your nutrition. They both help your body recover by doing less movement and exercise that helps your muscles be able to recover and come back stronger. If you have been consistently tearing them down and creating adaptations via weight training. So having a little bit of a rest can go a long way in helping you continue to be consistent and make your exercise routine more sustainable. Taking a diet break when you've been in a consistent calorie deficit for 8 to 12 weeks can do the same thing for your body. It can help your metabolism avoid metabolic adaptation. Metabolic adaptation is your body essentially conserving energy and lowering your metabolic rate. Taking a refeed week or a diet break week can help alleviate the effects of that process if your body knows that it's continuing to get adequate calories. I have a whole podcast episode kind of around how to support your metabolism even through weight loss. And it's called, I think, How to Support Your Metabolism Through <laughs> through Weight Loss. Um, so go back and listen to that episode to hear a little bit more about metabolic adaption um, and how to avoid that when you are still looking for fat loss. So that's what I did my first week home, and it went great. And I'm really excited to see how that's going to help me progress through um, these next couple weeks before I do my next postpartum check-in. Um, so my 12-week check-in was the week before we left for Louisiana. So I have about a week and a half where I've gotten back and I'm going to restart my calorie deficit goals. And I'm just extremely curious to see how my body responds to that. And I fully expect <laughs> to see a new low because my body, it feels safe right now because I have been eating at or probably above my calorie needs while I've been out of town. So stay tuned to see the results from that. Okay, so those are some things to consider when you're traveling. Notice I did not say you need to meal prep all of your meals and bring all of your own food and snacks. I absolutely would not recommend that, even if you're only going out of town for a night. I don't like that approach because it takes away your autonomy in decision-making. 
and being able to make it work wherever you are with whatever you have access to is a skill that's crucial in being able to create a sustainable nutritional approach. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at this and I can give an example for when we were traveling back. So we we drove to Louisiana. We like to do road trips. And uh, on the way back, we stopped at this tiny gas station somewhere in Arkansas. Like it wasn't even a big, nice gas station. It was a, a little gas station in a little like podunk town in Arkansas. And I always, always look around at gas stations to see what the options are, to see what I would choose if I wanted to create a Tumac snack or I wanted to create a PEC type meal just from a gas station. And I am always, most of the time, surprised by what they offer and how well it can fit into that framework. An example of this, this tiny little gas station in Arkansas had Fairlife protein shakes, had three different kinds. They had the chocolate, the vanilla, and the strawberry banana kind, and fresh fruit. They had apples and bananas sitting up at the counter. Perfect. Amazing. So I ended up grabbing a Fairlife shake and a banana for my snack. That's something that I would have chosen, you know, if I was at home and I had all the options in the world. So be aware of the things that gas stations offer. When we had stopped for lunch earlier, again, it was another gas station. They had like little sub sandwiches that were 300 calories and over 20 grams of protein. I was shocked. That is a great meal component. That's like a sandwich that I would make at home. So it had the bread for carbohydrates. It had a piece of cheese for fat and it had ham for the protein. It was a ham and provolone sub. And then I got a container of grapes to go with it. That is a solid PEC plate on the go. You know, they also had celery and carrots. They had pineapple. They had watermelon. I was shocked. Shocked, you guys. And again, it wasn't a super nice gas station. It wasn't like a big racetrack or anything like that. So gas stations are getting better and better and better at offering options like this. And I was so surprised by seeing the fresh fruit and vegetable options. Now, there are still going to be times where you don't have access to foods that I put kind of in that nourishing category, mainly fresh fruit and vegetables. So what can you do when we don't have those nourishing options, but we still want to create a meal that's not going to send our blood sugar sky high and then, you know, create that bottoming out effect that makes you tired and sluggish and still has a little bit of protein, still helps you stay in balance for the day. So I think, and I'm going to direct you to another podcast episode where we talk about PEC plates, Tumac snacks, and the pillars of a sustainable diet. And the pillars are nourishment, balance, and satisfaction. Even if nourishment, that pillar is a little bit shaky wherever you are, if we don't have fresh fruits and vegetables available, we can still create a balanced meal that contains all macronutrients, 
even if all you have is like shelf stable gas station options. Okay. If you got beef jerky and a pack of peanuts, then you're creating a balanced two max snack that's probably relatively high in protein. If you got, you know, like little Ritz peanut butter crackers and a protein bar, you're doing, you know, you're getting all three macronutrients there. So know that you have options to at least create balance where we're looking for a mix of macronutrients. It doesn't have to be the most quote unquote nourishing option if fresh fruit and vegetables and produce aren't available wherever you are. You can still create balance and that is still going to be helpful for you. And you still need that mix of macronutrients throughout your day. Another thing, when you're going out to eat, when you travel, this is another thing where we need to look at the frequency because that's kind of going to determine what we need to prioritize when we go out. If we are going out to dinner one time and it's our favorite place, that would be the time that I would focus on satisfaction. Getting something that I truly wanted, that was super worth it to me, enjoying myself, and then returning back to my baseline habits the next meal. If you are going out to eat repeatedly for multiple meals a day, for multiple days a week, then that's going to be a time where we do need to prioritize that framework structure of PEC plates a little bit more. Because again, it's the frequency that's going to determine your results from that action. Going out to eat once a month is not going to have a huge impact either way on the results that you see. Going out to eat for 25% of your meals in the month that will impact the results that you see. So again, it's not that you can't go out to eat. It's looking at, okay, what do I need to prioritize if I'm frequently going to be (laughs) eating out at a restaurant? And just looking for that basic PEC structure can go such a long way. And restaurants honestly typically set their meals up within that structure. There's normally a main protein There's a starch and there's some sort of vegetable that's going to be available. The things to be aware of, typically there's just going to be a lot of added fat content with restaurant meals. And that's because fat is flavor. It makes things taste really, really good. And that's the whole point of a restaurant. They want you to come back and buy their food. They want to create craveable menu items. So knowing that, okay, this whatever it is, is probably going to be higher in fat unless you specifically choose something that is steamed or grilled. Those are great options. When looking at menu items, if you're trying to create a bit more balance on your plate, I would limit things that are fried, things that say crispy, things that come with like a butter sauce or a cream sauce. Those are the ways that calories are just going to add up really, really, really fast. But again, if this is the time that you're going out to eat and it's infrequent and you're looking to prioritize satisfaction, then get what you truly want and you enjoy that meal to the fullest extent. When we were home in Louisiana, we stopped 
to get donuts and little slider burgers from a place called Buttercrisp. The donuts are so delicious. Um, and we had their donuts and they call them butter burgers at our wedding as like the late night food option. So it's a place that David and I love to go. We try to go every time we're home just because it's nostalgic, it's fun, and it's delicious. <laughs> so going to Buttercrisp is a time where I know, okay, I'm going to eat what I want and I'm going to enjoy it. That's not the time where I'm necessarily looking for creating the most balance or nourishment at that meal. That meal is about satisfaction. And if I tried to, you know, do something that would lower the calories of that meal or create more balance, then I wouldn't be getting what I actually wanted. And then the meal would serve no purpose. It wouldn't even offer that much more balance or nourishment. Plus, it wouldn't be what I actually wanted. So I wouldn't even get the satisfaction out of it. Um, so knowing what you're going somewhere for, knowing how frequently you are choosing to prioritize satisfaction, and then when you are really enjoying it and not trying to make it something it's not, enjoy it for what it is, and then get back to those baseline habits at your next meal. So looking at the pillars of nourishment, balance, and satisfaction and making sure that all of those things are included when you travel. Looking at overall frequency and length of travel and looking at how that needs to affect your priorities. And then visualizing how you want to feel when you get back from your trip. And then kind of working backwards as to the action that you need to take to produce that result when you're on your way back. One last thing that I want to talk about, and I think this can be a really monumental mindset shift when you are looking at decision making, when you're traveling or when you're going to an event, is using this working backwards method. I want you to set a goal based on how you want to feel and what you want to do, not based in like some sort of numerical value. Oh, we're in October. Okay, so say you're going to a Halloween party. I want you to set a goal based on how you want to act. And most of the time, I think a great goal is I want to make choices that are aligned with what I truly need. That leaves a lot of things open to interpretation, but you're the only person who's going to know what you truly need. If that looks like prioritizing satisfaction a little more, then do that. And then again, return to your baseline the next meal, the next snack. If that looks like making choices that are a bit more aligned with your goals as far as your nutrition goes, then do that because that's what's going to make you feel the best when you get back. And it's going to make you feel proud of yourself. What I don't want you to do is set a numerical value of, okay, I'm going to go to this party. I'm only going to have one piece of candy. First of all, not only is that a little bit unrealistic, but it also just sets you up for a negative outcome either way. So if you go to this party and you have one piece of candy, you either are going to leave feeling restricted right? You eat that one piece of candy. Candy is highly, highly rewarding and it makes you want more. 
it's not a personal problem. It's how that food is literally engineered to make your brain react to it. So knowing, first of all, how you react around super palatable, highly rewarding foods, knowing that it's your job to set realistic expectations around that, and knowing that you can trust yourself to make choices that are best for you. Okay, so going back to the numerical value, if you say, I'm going to go to this Halloween party and eat one piece of candy. Okay, either you go to the party, you eat the one piece of candy, and then you walk around feeling restricted the rest of the night, and then you get home and eat the leftover bag of chocolate chips that are in your pantry, and it still doesn't satisfy you because it's not as good as the candy was, but that happened because you're feeling restricted, or you go to the party and you say, I'm only going to eat one piece of candy, and then you end up eating 20 mini Reese's, and then you feel like a complete failure, and you think, I always do this. I can never act normal around food. Okay, that's not the outcome we want either. (laughs) So if we can avoid putting ourselves in that situation, setting those numerical goals, and instead set goals around our own behavior that don't revolve around restricting ourselves or set us up for failure. So again, let's set a goal for how we want to feel when we leave that event, when we leave whatever it is that we're doing when we're traveling and realizing that you can trust yourself if you are in tune with what you really need long-term. This takes practice and it really takes having a long-term lens on. And it also takes just knowledge of, again, how you react in certain situations and knowing yourself, knowing what's best for you knowing when it's time to take a break, when it's time to push, when it's time to prioritize consistency and balance and nourishment, and when it's time to prioritize satisfaction. And this can be (laughs) a really scary thing to do. And I think that's why a lot of people do want to micromanage their nutrition when they travel, do want to micromanage their nutrition when they go to a party. But if you can cultivate the skill of being able to trust yourself and trust your decision making in the moment because you know you can have your own back and you can make choices that are good for you in the long run, then that's just going to set you up for a much better relationship with food overall. Okay, I hope that this episode was helpful to you and you can come back to it the next time you are preparing to travel and you want to come back feeling proud of yourself and feeling in tune with your actions instead of thinking that you need to, quote unquote, get back on track. There is no on or off. Every choice is a new chance to change your trajectory and get back to where you want to be. So I'll be back in another couple of weeks with the next episode. And thanks for joining me. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. 
Catch you next time.